70% of people who win uh, the lottery, they, they go bankrupt within five years, right? Whenever they are advertising any cash prize on TV, just divide it by four. Just a few weeks ago, he bought another mansion again, and his kind of total worth of real estate is around, I think, $80 million. So that these, these people don't have any financial education, and they don't know how to manage money. Right. Exactly. Mm. And I don't think I have that problem. So the the goal for most private equity, this is another tricky part, is don't put your money in it. And uh, basically all the chat GPT, me journey, they are all running on NVIDIA GPUs. So there is a scarcity. Like, even I heard the UK was going to spend 100 million pounds to reserve some GPUs from NVIDIA. Hey, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. So um, today we will be talking a little bit about, uh, you know, uh, we'll dive in a little bit into the news and then kind of uh, see how we can uh, take some, I would say, some uh, some insight or some learning point from there. But it's going to be mainly about, you know, money, uh, investment and uh, things around those lines. Sounds like a plan. So, I mean, re re regarding the news, how up to date have you been? I mean, I saw uh, uh, recently, you know, the, the story of this guy that uh, I think his name is um, uh, Edwin Castro and uh, he won, uh, you know, the largest kind of lottery in the in, in the US. I mean, you're based in the US. Are you, are you familiar with this? Yeah, I've heard about that story. Uh, I think he won about like $2 billion, right? Yeah, that's a lot of money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's that's a lot of money. <laughs> but I mean, as, as as we all know, you know, in the, in, you know, all these countries, if you, even if you win all that money, the tax money is going to be there. And, uh, you know, b based on what I've read uh, so far, um, I think out of the 2.1 billion, this guy managed to kind of take home only around like 600 million and the tax man just you know took uh, <laughs> most of the money basically but 600 million is still a lot of money man yeah 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 um i actually later on when i heard about his story right uh the way the the lottery system work in the u.s is that when you win usually the money that or the the price that they are advertising is not the real price basically so when they say you are going to win $2 billion, for example, like his case, right? What they are saying is that the actual price, the cash price, the actual cash price is $1 billion. The $2 billion is that if you decide to not take a lump sum, that means you, you don't want to take the whole cash price at once, they will pay you this cash over 30 years. So you get, um, they call it annuity or something like that. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that's and you'll get that's paid every month. For 30 years and if you so because you are being paid over 30 years that money will be invested in some bonds or some stock or something like that and and basically you end up making 2 billion over 30 years but if you decide to go with the cash price just divide whatever they are advertising on tv by two right <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. once you do that you'll get like a 1 billion and then when you, you are going to receive that $1 billion. So you can just factor in 50% tax and, and basically you end up with about, you know, $500 million or $600 million depending on the state you are in. So all in all, whenever they are advertising any cash prize on TV, just divide it by four. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's um, I actually didn't know that. I know that you have to pay for the taxes, but I didn't know about the part where, you know, they can pay you in, in annuity. Yeah, it's kind of false advertisement. I mean, uh, <laughs> okay. I mean, on, on your side, let's say you, for example, if you were to kind of win that money, would you go lump sum or annuity? I would definitely go lump sum. Because, really? yeah, like, okay. what, what are they why, going why? to go do ahead. that uh, I'm not prepared to do on my own, right? Okay. So one thing about... So here is a fun fact, right? Uh, we heard that uh, from just doing my research. I've heard that like 70% of people who win a, like uh, the lottery, they, they go bankrupt within five years, right? And usually the reason why that happens is because this, these people don't have any financial education and they don't know how to manage money. Right. Exactly. And I don't think I have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I've uh, I've been able to to kind of grow um a fair amount of uh, wealth over the past 10 years, right? So 
I don't think I'll I'll have that issue. Let's say I, I win. I have five hundred million right now, <laughs> right? I win that two billion dollar. What I'll do? I will probably take like eighty percent or even ninety percent of it, and just put it in like uh, you know the stock market, and or put, uh, buy like some div dividend stock, right? Or some dividend uh, mutual fund or something like that. And that alone, if is like the dividend is like I don't know. So let's say eighty percent of uh, five hundred uh, million. That should be um, forty. Uh, let's say four 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 hundred million, right? Yep, yeah, that's four hundred million. Yep. Let's say I get paid like five percent of that every year in in dividend. Five percent of uh, four hundred million. That's twenty million. Yeah. Twenty million a year. That is more than enough for for me and my family to live on. I mean, I uh, in a way I agree with you. What what I would say is that really depends on the person, right? So there is, I would say, the lazy route. So the lazy way is to uh, accept, you know, the terms that they they have regarding the annuity, and then you get your money um, every um, every single um, every single uh, kind of year. And the good thing about that is, if you are not financially educated, that will help you into kind of pacing your spending and uh, kind of not going broke, basically. So that that's the very very good thing about that, and you know, based on you know what we've seen uh, in the life of people that want those type of money, is that the the entourage plays a, a huge role. Your family, people will be asking you for money. People will be seeing you differently. You are a target. Everybody wants something from you. So, at least with that, you are sure that you know you are not getting broke anytime soon. In thirty years, you will still be there and you'll still have your money. So that's the lazy route. That's what I would say. And then there is the smart one. So the smart one is what you are talking about. And you are like, guys, give me my money. I want to do my thing. Uh, I can handle it. I will go the, the smart route, but I will use a different uh, kind, of, uh, kind of strategy compared to yours. So what I would say is that for those, those type of money, there are like, so actually there are a lot of people that kind of, not a lot of people, there are a few people, I would say the high net worth people that kind of have these money. And, they kind of spend it in different ways. So what one kind of first thing they will do is to estimate how much they need to live. So let's say they need uh, kind of one, let's say 10 million to sustain their kind of uh, lifestyle. So they will do a quick calculation. How much do I need to invest, let's say at 5% to get that 10 million? And they will take that money and just put it in, I don't know, a bond that's very, very secure. That's going to be like five years old. They will just open a, a bank account at the, not like the street bank account. By In the UK, we say high street, high street companies or high street banking, banking firm. And those are Barclays and et cetera. And those, they give you very, very low, you know, savings uh, rate. In the UK, for example, you can go to, I don't know, Skipton building, for example, they, they will give you 5% or 3% or 4%. Um, so you will, you know, target those kind of bank and uh, put your money there. And then you will be getting, you know, what you need to kind of sustain your lifestyle. So that's step one. You sustain your lifestyle. Step two, now they have to uh, kind of be a little bit more risky and they will invest. So th them, those rich people, I would say they will put a little bit of their money into like hedge fund and those type of funds. But I would say most of their money will go toward like private equity and those type of things. Uh, and really the goal there is to uh, beat the market beat the stock market and that, that's the goal and you know if you invest in private equity your goal is to beat the, the stock market so that's what they will go for and i would say that's what i would definitely do in my case so yeah i i think i'll do the same thing i i i kind of didn't expand on all the things i would do <laughs> if i won right but i'll definitely do the same thing it's not just yeah. like uh, buying stocks and, mm. and in the u.s i don't know if you heard this um Back in, uh, I think, March or, or May, there was a, a bank that uh, went bank bankrupt, basically. And it was closed. It's called, it's called Silicon Valley Bank. And basically what happened is that in the U.S., there is a law that um, for every bank where you put your money, you can't put more than a certain amount. Oh, yeah. So yeah. You, yeah, there yeah, is a true. limit on the, mm. the, the total amount of money that is insured by the bank and here we call it fdic you can look it up it's like federal or something, or something but 
basically that amount is $250,000. So you can really put more than $250,000 in any bank account, even for a business, right? So the government does that so that, you know, money can circulate in the economy. So definitely just putting your money in the bank with low interest rate, that is a no-no, right? <laughs> Especially that much money. Because if the, when Silicon Valley Bank went under, there was a talk. At some point, a lot of startups in Silicon Valley had their money in that bank. And as, at a certain point, they didn't know if they were going to get that money back. They didn't know if they were going to get that money back. So um, that's one thing to, to think of. Regardless, they, they were lucky enough they, the government stepped in and everybody got their money back. But this is not something that is impossible. And later on, two other banks failed because of high interest rate environment that we are in the U.S. But this is something you need to, to think about. So definitely, even if you are not going to buy stock per se, you can buy like a treasure, uh, a government treasury bonds. And those are even tax more tax favorable for you. So when you get paid that uh, return, you know, uh, the, the tax men won't tax you too much when you get that money. Uh, I started by saying that I would take 20% of my money and put, and put it in one of those financial instruments, right? And the, 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 80, the 20% that is left, I will basically do the, you know, the spend, the crazy spending that you're doing <laughs> in the first year. What, what right? do you mean by crazy spend? Do you do any crazy spend? Because this guy, Edwin Castro, he is only 31 years old, right? Right. And the second he got his money, uh, I think he bought he bought uh, a first a mansion. He bought then like a J Japanese inspired mansion as well. And then recently, I think just a few week, weeks ago, he bought another mansion again. And his kind of total worth of mansion, let's say real estate, is around I think eighty million dollars. So that's eighty million dollars out of the six hundred already, uh, just in like houses. And for those houses, what we know is that to kind of maintain those those houses, that's a lot of money. So you need staff, and so basically staff, you you need to get like let's say I don't know a huge mansion, uh, I don't know ten I don't know ten or seven bedroom. You'll need I don't know five to seven people that will be cleaning, doing gardening, and all those stuff. You just get minimum wage, um, a little bit higher than minimum wage, you know, multiply that by that amount and easily, easily to kind of take care of all those mentioned. You will be spending like half a, half a million a year easily. So that's yeah, not it, a it, it could <laughs> even be a million a, a, a year just taking care because things will break, you know. And, uh, you know, um, yeah, houses, you know, <laughs> you, you have to know what you are doing, especially when you are buy, buying houses. So for me, a crazy expense for me will be like something a little bit cheaper. Like I, I, I wouldn't buy a 40 million house like he's doing. I think that's just too much space and too much work. I'll probably travel a lot, like see different countries, but I, I don't think that's going to cost me 40 million. Right? <laughs> yeah, because like if out of 20% of that money will be like 100 million. I, I guess I can buy like, I can spend like another 10 million on houses and stuff like that. You know, just having a nice house, nice neighborhood, all, all that stuff. But apart from that, like the rest of the 90 million, I'll, I'll, I'll just find, you know, uh, someone who is good at or, or some company or build a team, right, with people who I trust and uh, start my own private equity firm. And uh, that would be my job, basically. But I, I know you know a little bit more about private, private equity than I do. So, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean... Go going first back to your kind of crazy expenses, right? I just wanted to jump into uh, you know one of the uh, I would say business ideas that I came across. It's not even a, I mean it's an idea, but someone is is doing it currently. Uh, so regarding the expenses, I mean the uh, kind of expensive house, um, there is a guy that is investing now into uh, mansions. So he will buy like old mansions and then renovate them, and then use them on Airbnb. So we rent them on Airbnb and the business seems to be very, very profitable. I read it in a book. Um, I can't recall the name of the of the book now, but um, yeah, it's a business model. So if this guy is smart enough, he can kind of, uh, kind of manage to at least cover his expenses by renting the house on Airbnb when he's not there. You rent it for parties, you get insurance underneath it and uh, 
you just make sure that you know you, you you just get good money out of it so that's that's just one point yeah i would just add this little caveat to it um renting an eight uh 40 million dollar house uh on airbnb i i don't think that's a smart move uh, like you will make money but again who are you targeting right if i'm gonna spend like a million dollar on a trip you know you, there is a very small percentage of the population that can do that but like but if you have 40 million you can go to states like uh you know florida arizona and i've seen this what you're talking about i've seen other people doing this and i, I mean they are b business myself so i look out for those trends right and and you can go to austin you know um austin texas arizona um, some nice cities there in uh, in florida and what you can do and what i've seen people do is buy like maybe a, a one two million uh dollar mansion and uh they put everything in it they will put like uh, a tennis court a basketball court a a you know a, a sauna a um you know um a pool all sort of games so that you know when families travel they don't even need to leave the house it's like you are going to a re a personal resort kind of thing and i think that is a much better business model than like buying like a 40 million dollar yeah, house yeah, yeah. And, uh, and trying to rent that yeah. i see I, I see your point the the one that i was referring to is actually for like parties but yeah i mean th that that's something i came across when i was reading a book and someone seems to be doing it in um, in a very successful way but uh, yeah, I mean, coming back to your second point, uh, even before going to the second point, I think one kind of key learning point here for, I don't know, anyone that's listening is uh, when you are making, let's say, even a little bit of money, uh, don't leave it on your bank account. Go look for, you know, in your country, uh, I don't know whether you are in France, in the US, uh, you know, in the UK or whatever, go look for, you know, bank accounts that give a higher interest rate uh, comparing to your, you know, your normal um, high street bank account. So, uh, typically, you know, the large, uh, you know, the fancy name kind of bank account, uh, no bank account, banks, uh, I would say like the Barclays, uh, here is like the Barclays, uh, the Lloyds and all those things. Uh, they are not the ones that give the best interest rate. Uh, they will just chop you off and give you something underneath inflation. So that's your kind of, that's the killer input here. Yeah. And uh, I, I actually made that mistake myself so if you want to check that out check out uh, some of our old videos and you'll probably see me talking uh going in details into the mistakes that, that i did when I, I came to the us <laughs> yeah even even me I, I did that myself i left my savings used to be in my uh, uh kind of um i, I use barclays it used to be on my barclays account for for quite a while but yeah, moving moving on to you know the the private equity topic, uh, which is something that I'm quite interested about because uh, I do uh, you know a lot, a lot of work with with private equities, and really what you said was that you know you kind of uh, kind of just build a private equity or hire a team to kind of help you uh, you know toward that. So what I would say is is a little bit more trickier than that, uh, and a little bit more complicated uh, than than that. So the, the whole kind of private equity thing, I think the main thing to kind of build a private equity is to have a track record. And that's really, really difficult to have because what the whole private equity thing is, I mean, a lot of people try to make it very complex, but it's, it's very simple. It's basically, instead of putting your money into companies in the stock market or in stocks, you put money into companies that are not on the stock market. But there is a but. The but is that you have... Uh, a control on what that company do. I mean, you can steer the ship in terms of like their strategy. You can guide them. So that's the, kind of the whole thing about uh, private equity. So you need a track record. And that track record is like us when we are applying for jobs. They want to see what you've done before. So for those, they call them GPs or fund managers, the people that, you know, will be, you know, at the top of the, the, the private equity. Usually, they, they will need to prove that, you know, they are able to first, depending on the strategy that they are using. But the most common strategy is identify companies with potentials and then um, setting up strategies to uh, kind of leverage the potential of those companies and multiplying their, let's say, their EBITDA. EBITDA, I mean, their bottom line or, let's say, profit to make it simple and sell those companies at the higher 
priced at the bottom. So basically, to make it very, very simple, it's just like flipping houses. I mean, people that are in like the real estates, they will understand this. You flipping need businesses, to, <laughs> exactly. You need to show that you can flip businesses or you can flip houses. So when you say um, you need a track record, let's say for, for me, for example, I just want to understand. I just want to learn from you, actually, right? Let's say I have my $80 million, right? And I decide, okay, I'm going to take $400 million and put it in this firm, right? And I start the firm. I'm maybe like uh, the CEO, but a hire, to me, I think me hiring someone is that person needs to have a track record. But for me, who is putting the initial amount of money in, I don't think I need any anything, right? Let me, explain, let, me help you, let me help you there. So the, the goal for most private equity, this is another tricky part, is don't put your money in it. So they literally, they will put like 5% of their money. That's the, the, the amount that they will, they will put in. Very little. When, you, when people know that you put a lot of the, your money, some people, which is very strange, some people may think that the, so basically the, this whole thing is about raising money. That's the first step of every private equity. You need to raise money. And to raise money, you need to go to investors uh, with your um, kind of uh, idea and then be like, okay, this is the strategy of this you know, fund. We will be investing in companies in the US that are in this sector uh, that have you know, this potential and we will flip these companies and manage to make, I don't know, 20% uh, you know, rate of return on these companies when we sell them, right? So uh, they, if you end up putting a lot of your money in, they, people will think that you were unable to raise money. That's why you put I see. A, a lot of your money in. I see. So I, I see, know, I, I, I do know some private equities where they raised like a, they were about to raise like a fund and they were unable to raise the fund that they want. So basically, let's say, I'm just going to be throwing big numbers here. Their goal is to raise, I don't know, let's say 2 billion for their fund. And for this fund, they gave like a time limit. And then at the end, when it was like getting close to the end, they were able to raise, let's say, uh, one, 1 billion. These people are normally very rich. So they ended up putting their own money uh, to complete the fund. And in the in the kind of sector, that's seen as were unable to raise the money so your pitch or what you plan is not convincing so that's the first thing they don't put their money in i i see so uh, it, it makes sense too it makes sense because uh this whole like if you want to operate it like a real business right if you just have your money in it i don't think you will be as efficient as you will normally be because again like let's say I'm still going back to the lottery because this is the potential that we are, we are going off of, right? You, you don't ha respect that money because it's your money. You didn't really work for it, right? So you are not going to take care of it like. But if you have other people's money in it, and let's say it, these people that you have as your, your um, co-investors, uh, they also have a good track record in the private equity market, then all all of a sudden, your private equity itself will carry a bigger um, amount of uh, respect because they know that these people who are like, I don't know, billionaires or like very successful are also investing with you. That That's already a good thing. And second thing, it's, it's going to increase your, your effectiveness because now you have access to this high net worth individual that have done similar things in the past that are also going to give you like uh, they are some of their input to help you if they are not silent silent partners I'll say and and you you can have some of these people on the board and, and they will also help you in in taking like a very big decision so yeah I, I I can I can understand why that is and uh, if you want the company to be successful in the long run you definitely need you will definitely need more people to be interested in what you're doing and invest along with you yeah so those so those investors so i mean let, let's say if you were to win that money right it's better to just invest in i don't know different private equity instead of you building uh the um the you know your own private equity because that yeah you don't have the track record so that that, that will be a little bit a little bit difficult uh, so investing in other um, private equities is, is the idea but in terms of the investors that are kind of investing in the fund 
I mean, let, let me just explain this thing a little bit so that people don't get confused. So <laughs> what private equity do basically, first they will raise, they will prepare like, uh, you know, um, a quick strategy, you know, a quick a strategy to kind of uh, raise fund. And then they will go out there, speak with people, uh, pitch and et cetera, and then raise their fund. So they raise their funds. Uh, there is another period called like a formation, like a lot of legal stuff that they will be doing to kind of form the fund. So after that, what they will do is to invest. So that's the investment period where they will go out and just acquire companies like savages. You know, they will just buy, 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 identify companies with uh, low potential, depending on the strategy. Because some private equity strategy can be buying distressed companies. So companies that, you know, there is a huge problem going on there. They will buy it and fix it and those things. And the strategy varies, but, you know, uh, after the investment, um, they will... Um, try to uh, kind of flip those companies, not sell them directly, but they will try to improve the performance of those companies. And that can be done by, I don't know, maybe restructuring the companies, maybe uh, doing some Bolton acquisition. So Bolton acquisition meaning acquiring other companies that can add to the return of that company, of the initial company. Uh, and they will do a bunch of stuff to kind of raise the performance or the profit of that company. And... At the end, there's going to be the exit. So the exit where they will be selling those companies. So they will be selling those companies to make their money. So they will sell those companies and then they will start paying back what they took from the investor. So it's a whole process. And typically it takes like 10 years for one fund. And that's mainly the reason why everybody can't invest in of uh, private equity so first it takes a lot of money to do i think the average is like 250k to to put in and then when you put in you can't you know be getting money at the end of the month or at the end of the year because you have to wait for the private equity to kind of execute or implement their strategy and then flip those companies at the end and then they will start paying back people and um, paying back as well that's a whole other thing <laughs> that right. i mean if you want to recap it like really quickly what they typically do is they will, there are two ways. So they they will have a management fee. So me as a private equity, I will manage your uh, your money, the money that you gave me to, to invest. And for that, I will charge you, they typically charge like 2%. And their funds are big. If you talk about like the kind of large private equities, let's say they can have like, I don't know, 10 billion funds, for example. And if you take 2% out of that, that's, uh, that, that's a good money. So they get that per month. <laughs> Right. And then on top of that, it will be like, okay, if we manage to make you more than 7% or more than 8% of what uh, you invested. So if our internal rates on, you know, the money that you invested is like more than 8%, anything that's on top of that, we will share it together. So that kind of 8%, they will call it like hurdle rate. So that's where, you know, uh, th that's quite similar to like the, let's say the stock market, or if you were to invest in index, uh, you will be getting like 7% or 5%, those, those typical amount. And that hurdle rate, if you cross them, you have to divide the money. You as an investor divide what we make for you with us. And usually so that's, like that's a, probably going to be like 50% of, uh, the, the outperformance, right? No, no, or no, no, even no, no. more. They do 80-20. That's what they do. God. <laughs> yeah. they, but the investor is 80, though. We are... Oh, okay, 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 okay. Oh, okay, okay. That makes sense. <laughs> I'm like, it was there. No, no, um, no, 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 no. <laughs> they, they do. And that's how, you know, those fund managers get a lot of money. So they will have, let's say, they raise like a fund for like, we were saying 10 billion, for example. And then they were they, they will be getting their, I said, their 2%. So the two percent that's like two hundred, I believe, um, uh, two hundred million, and then um, on top of that, two percent that they will be getting every year. At the end of the, uh, I mean, when I say every year, I mean they will be getting a portion of it every year. Or they will just wait and get the two percent at the end of the the ten years, um, and then at the end, on top of that, they will get the profit that is on top of the money that they invested initially basically they make a lot of money that, that's what i'm trying to say i don't want to go into like a lot of calculation so what if the, the fund doesn't perform they still get paid but what happens to the investor <laughs> ah my dear that's uh, so basically they uh they, they have like a contract right i think the, the name of the contract is limited uh, partnership agreement 
So in that contract, they will, you know, explain everything regarding the hurdle rate that I talk about, regarding, um, yeah, re regarding their strategy, the fund that they are, the companies they will be targeting, and everything, and regarding the payment. And uh, usually, a lot of private equity will tell you if, um, you know, you need to be ready to lose your money if you are invested in private equity. But this doesn't happen often because this goes back to what I mentioned first, which was the track record. So nobody want to mess up their track record, and uh, they do. They do like they will go above. Like uh, they will do everything not to mess up their track record. And for so I was saying as well that is like investing in a stock market, right? If you have a portfolio on a platform, and then you select let's say five or ten companies in which you invest, uh, you can have like eight companies that will fail miserably in terms of like their performance, and then only two will save you. It's the same for private equity. Uh, I know of some private equities where they will have a fund. They will buy, let's say, I don't know, 15 companies or even 20 companies. And then 10 of them are going to be like very bad. And then maybe three or two are going to make like huge money, huge money when they flip it. And that will be the one. Yeah. It's the same saying, concept yeah. uh, with uh, venture capital. It's the same comp concept. I, I, I think uh, uh, and uh, some... Angel start, uh, uh, startup investing funds as well do the same thing where they will put like, um, I think the only difference here is that um, compared to, to private equity, venture capitalists don't have too much say in the company they invest in. Uh, they don't control the company. They don't make the decisions and stuff like that. They just invest. But private equity, basically from what I'm hearing from you is that they will basically take control of the company they will make some of the decisions that the company has to make and uh, to to make them profitable but for from what i've read and my experience with uh, people who are in the venture capitalist world they like especially in silicon valley where uh, a lot of startups are receiving funds to uh, to build their uh, technology companies they they give you the money and uh, that's it like uh, a lot of a lot of startup or a lot of venture capitals, they will just put a lot of money in like hundred startups, and they hope that one or two of them will will go big and and they will make all their money back. In terms of the probability regarding like uh, one or two will go big and they will make their money back, I would I would say that's pretty similar. Though with private equity, the rate is higher because um, so if you talk about funds, uh, venture capital, they use the same process. It's just about the stage. So venture capital is more about, and it's more about startup. That's the first thing. And the second thing is that it's more about equity uh, kind of um, acquisition and stuff. Uh, while private equity, everything is based on, I mean, the most popular one, everything is based on debt, which goes for like, uh, there, there is one term that they use, which is leverage buyout, where the private equity will, so that 10 billion that I'm talk I was talking about, they are not going to take that 10 billion only and then just buy businesses. They will use a lot of debt, a lot of debt to buy a huge stake in companies so that they have the control of the company. But in terms of control, they are not going to be there trying to kind of guide the company every single every single step of the way because that's too much work basically. So what they will do is they will hire people that they trust and put those people at um those places and what will happen then is that monthly uh, those people will be kind of sending financial performance to them and they will be reviewing those and making sure that they are you know on top of stuff and making sure that everything is you know everything is going well so i would say that's those are like the differences ma mainly the stage so venture capital is a little bit earlier and the rate of failing in venture capital and angel so angel so first is the angel First angel, and then uh, venture capital, and then uh, private equity. Because for private equities, the companies, you know, they are a, a little bit um, older. They've, I would say, proven their, themselves, you know, on the market. Uh, but maybe they need a little bit of fund to grow really fast. Or maybe they've, um, let's say, they, uh, I'm just finding the right way to kind of explain this without using too many uh, complex terms. So they, there is something they call the, the chasm for like every company or for like ad adoption of a product. So is so you have like the early or the first people that acquire a product. And then after that, there is going to be the chasm and then you'll, 
the product will go mainstream. So it's the same for companies. The company will start, their product will be acquired by like, you know, newbies or people that are really into it. And that's where, you know, the whole angel and angel investment and the venture will, will, will be. And then after the cars are more, the, the company is trying to go like further and be mainstream and be really big. That's where the private equity will, will come in and uh, they will take the company to like, mostly they will take it to like the IPO. So which is um, taking it to public and selling it, uh, you know, making the company public uh, on the stock market and then leaving. So yeah, that that's the long answer. Yeah, yeah, they, they, it, yeah. Is a li- there is a, a slight difference between private equity and venture capital because private equity, like you said, they hire their own people that they trust to manage the company. Well, when you are comparing that to startups that are taking money from venture capital, the founders or the the managing team is is kind of there. Uh, usually startups don't have like a really big managing team, but the founders are kind of the managers. And as they are growing, maybe they, they hire more like experienced people. But this is again something that the founders control because for venture capital, the, the, the idea is to have some equity in the company, not to actually control the company or how the company operates. So there is that difference. Just, but, just to give yeah. you like an example, um, let's say Apple, for example. I think before the Apple, the iPhone 3 came out, I think the iPhone 3 was the main one that uh, every, like the one that take them, took them like kind of mainstream, right? In terms yeah, of iPhone the 3GS, I think. Yeah, uh, 3G. iPhone 3. So before the 3G, I would say uh, the years before that, they could have gotten into like, they could have had, I don't know, angel investment could have had um, a little bit of venture as well but um, I, apple was already yeah they were in public com- company at that time at that time think, were they yeah i don't yeah, I, I, so. I don't remember i don't remember but basically what i'm trying to say is that when, when the company is is not mainstream or the company is like very very tiny trying to grow is like i don't know a startup beginning of the the their, their process they will go you know venture for equity and then when the company wants to push for like a huge growth and, and etc uh, they will go for like a private equity that will come in for with um, a lot of debt and kind of buy buy try to uh, steer the ship um, add add few bolt-on acquisition to make the the value of the company grow take it to ipo or sell it to another uh, private company a uh, private equity sorry okay so given the um because you mentioned something there that I, I was uh, kind of curious about. Um, private equity so- seems to be using a lot of debts. Yeah, there you and go. given the high interest rate environment that we are in currently, um, I, I was watching a video uh, the other day where someone was saying a lot of private e- equities are going to go under because of the high uh, interest rate environment because they can't really borrow as much not all of their companies, but some of them are not doing well because of inflation, the whole uh, geopolitical um, environment that we are in, and the high interest rate environment. So, it, would you say, would you say that you know, uh, without debt, pri- private equity cannot really operate? That's that, that 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 that's a really good one. As I said before, that is very dependent on the strategy. If it is a leverage buyout, private equity, so. Most of the um, the private equities they use like a leverage buyout, which is um, like us the way we get our mortgages. You uh, will provide a little bit of uh, a percentage of uh, the worth of the the company, and then you get I don't know seventy percent or fifty percent debt to to cover the rest. So that's how most uh, private equities proceed in terms of how they purchase, and they call that leverage buyout. So. Uh, without debt, the ones that use those strategy, it's it will be literally impossible for them to 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 kind of to to kind of work. Uh, and in this kind of um, uh, environment in which we are with high inflation and uh, 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 very, especially in Europe, very complex macroeconomic, um, very complex macroeconomic uh, uh, kind of uh, situation in the sense uh, that we have the war in Ukraine. Uh, a lot of uh, we, we had like the gas uh, and then the electricity prices that just went up like crazily and, and those stuff. It's really difficult for like everyone, but for private equity is 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 I would say more difficult in the sense that their companies 
like everyone else, are not performing like amazingly. And those, uh, you remember I talked about like the, um, the fund process where at the end they, they need to exit. So when you exit, that's when the pay, uh, you know, they, they, they sell their companies, either they sell them or... That's they, when they actually make their money. Exactly. So because of this environment, they can't do that now cause, uh, because of the inflation. And, uh, you know, a lot of companies have been hit hard as well. So meaning the company's bottom line is not going to be looking as great. So if you were, if you want to sell your companies, it, they are not going to be worth it that much. So the company needs to be, you know, performing really well before you sell it. Right. So that's, that, 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 that's one thing they can do that. And the second thing is that uh, the interest rate are, are quite high as well. So the other private equities that will borrow money to buy from them they are not going to be able to do it neither. And uh, IPO, so IPO taking the, the company public and going to the stock market, that's another challenge as well. So what they yeah, are doing that, that's now a is... a challenge right now. We are able to see that with uh, Instacart and uh, Clavio and Arm, all those three companies, uh, actually two of them are actually pretty good company, Arms and um, and uh, um, Clavio, which is a marketing company. Yeah, those two companies are kind of good companies uh, arm is not making a lot of money these days but they are they are very good companies stable companies but the ipo wasn't what we saw in 2020 2021 where you have companies like uh wish.com which is supposed to be a four dollar stock came on the market and became like a a hundred dollar stock and uh and went back to <laughs> two dollars <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah so so yeah that, that, that's the challenge so most of them they are waiting now so they they, they will wait so de depending on the fund that they they have some fund will have like a lot of liquidity so by liquidity i mean uh, they will have like money that they haven't invested um and they will maybe use that money to do very little acquisitions that are not like too expensive where they can increase the value of their current companies or basically they are on standby everybody's right. on standby everybody's on standby and uh, there is um people say this a lot uh sometimes in the investing community basically you want to have enough money to sur survive the hard times right because some of these companies being in standby what it basically means is that you are spending money and you are not making enough. Basically, you, some of their companies will be in the red. That's basically what it is for some time. So if you can, and this goes for startups as well, where if you can keep your head above water for the hard time, the hard environment, the high inflation, high interest rate environment, till interest rates start going down again, you'll make it out. But if you can't, <laughs> so basically there is a clock ticking and if you can't make it, then, you know, you'll die yeah. basically. Yeah, that's a very good point that you mentioned because for, um, you know, for the private equities to sell all these companies and to kind of exit them, uh, one thing that they do in that process is a due diligence. So they will do like a legal due diligence, a financial due diligence, a commercial due diligence, which is where, where I work. Uh, so they will do all these due diligence and uh, after covid right well one of the key kind of trend in terms of due diligence and one thing that all the private equities were trying to make sure of is to prove that their either their the company that they want to buy or the company that they are selling so if they are trying to buy they will want to prove in the report that you know you are providing to them that this company is uh, recession resilient which is a kind of new term that came out uh, at that time. So you need to prove that, you know, during recession, right, this company doesn't uh, suffer or the industry in which the company is doesn't suffer too much, uh, that the company is like really, 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 really resilient. And that's um, a way to sell as well. So to kind of exit or sell all these companies, right, They one thing that's very important is like the story, the storyline. So they want to come and be like... Company. Yeah, exactly. They won't be like, okay, this is the company that we have. This company, uh, you know, the revenue is X. It uh, was X few years ago. And now, you know, it, it grew at, you know, this percentage. The EBITDA grew at this percentage. The performance of the company is very, very good in terms of like recession. This is like a bulletproof company that we are selling to you. The management team is great. 
you know they are well trained we got people from you know here and here the experience is this and etc etc so it's all about that storyline so making sure that you know everything ticks there is is very very important yeah all the boxes are checked basically yeah this recession proof concept it, it is an interesting concept because a lot of companies especially in the startup world in the tech world and uh, cannot fit that metric <laughs> why because well because the whole thing about startups is that they lose money for a very long time before they 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 start making money and uh, most startups don't just don't qualify for recession proof because the whole idea in the tech world is that you are going to be losing money for some time especially in the venture capital world but for some um probably something we'll discuss in the next podcast is uh uh solopreneurs there is a a a very tight community of uh, 9 to 5 people who have stopped 9 to 5 and have gone their own way and started like small businesses on the internet and, and a lot of people in that uh, you know in that world are, are finding a lot of success they are even doing better than some of these startups and um you know private equity firms um Uh, we have a lot of example of people making like a million dollar a year or a million dollar months even but yeah uh, in general tech tech co- companies don't don't fit that uh, unless you're doing something that is uh, service based and the service is required regardless of the economic or the microeconomic conditions you know uh, being uh, recession proof is very hard one thing i would say is that at the beginning stage at the early stage of the company that that's not possible and that's where uh, it goes back to you know the things i was talking about regarding the difference between venture and uh, private equity where the private equity will come when the company is not mature but when the company has crossed that chasm so for the tech companies uh, i mean the one that you are referring to i'm sure is are like the ones that you know uh, are really like startups they haven't made it yet but once you kind of cross that bar or that level I think for tech companies actually it should be easier for them to be recession proof when they are mature right because let let's say I mean the the last recession that we've had so we had the financial crisis and then we had the the covid uh so if we pick let's say one random tech company that is kind of mature I think during those times they will be performing I mean depending on the sub industry or sector they will be okay Yeah like you said it's depending the uh, sector dependent right and um, I don't know which company to to use but uh something like I mentioned before is like wish.com for example they are like um, a company um is just like amazon.com but basically you order stuff from China and I've used the service before and they the shipping time is awful like you buy something it's going to take you like a month before you get it right for stuff like that and when you have competition right and someone is doing better like you are competing basically against amazon you are getting the product at a cheaper price but the shipping cost is high and the wait time to get the product is also high so well amazon when you have prime you literally wait a day or two and you get your product you're going to pay a little bit more but the 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 convenience is just better like companies like that for example They are not recession proof. If you look at their stock, their stock today is 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 not really good. The stock has really really underperformed. That, that that that's the problem with IPOs, right? And that's the problem with the stock market as well. And that's why really I'm I'm I mean my background is in finance, but well, my background is in finance and my kind of sub major or sub kind of um subject is like uh, stock market. But I, I sometimes I just really don't like the the stock market because of the behavioral um a part of it in the sense that it's mainly based on how people feel about uh, a certain product basically it's the hype right if the hype is great the, the price of the stock is going to go very 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 high and then if it is bad it's, it's just going to drop again and people that are really really good at estimating the real worth of um a, a company so basically a good really 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 good valuation are the ones that really can leverage this uh, stock market like you know the Warren Buffett of this world and etc etc so i rather just stick with my index man <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that's a good point that's a good point yeah stock market mostly is um very emotion driven uh for for a lot of people 
and and this is why most uh, fund managers don't can't even beat the S P five hundred. <laughs> most of them can't, can't. So if you can beat all of them by just putting your money in there, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, that's fine. That's fine. That, that was a good chat. So I mean, before we bore people with um, you know just uh, investment kind of talk, let's let's dive into a little bit of kind of technology and what was happening in the in the meta world, uh, the, the 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 world of uh, Mark Zuckerberg. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I think this is a good segue actually when we were talking about startups because. Today, <laughs> with the with AI, Chat GPT, and everything else, there are hundreds of AI startups that are coming on the market every day. Every day you go on Twitter, someone is building this AI startup. And 2021, in the low interest rates uh, environment, it was crypto. Everybody was building a crypto startup. Now, AI is the whole is a new crypto, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so uh we had two two major announcements last week about AI. One of them, which I think I like the most, is the um AI voice translation that is being built uh at Spotify. And uh as being in the podcast uh business kind of <laughs> uh this is uh, very interesting to us because one, we are both French speakers and English speakers. And I'm gonna play that video for you. When you say the word toxicity, how are you defining that? You're, you're saying like toxic chemicals. Because que introducimos en nuestras vidas, en nuestra piel, consumimos, inhalamos, tenemos a nuestro alrededor y que están en nuestros alimentos, etc. How do you think? O sea, a modo de consejo, ya que lo estamos platicando, a diario, ¿qué opinas sobre los problemas difíciles del mundo? Yeah, so basically, people who are making video podcasts today, the idea is that people who are making video podcasts in a certain language, this video podcast can be translated by AI. And it's, uh, your, basically, your mouth will move and your, your, your voice, everything will be kept the same. But the only thing that will change is the language in which you are you are having your your conversation. So let's say you have a podcast of two or three people, everything will be seamlessly translated into a new language. So podcasts that are being done in English can now be in French, Spanish, and basically you can basically grow your business, your podcast business and your audience in other countries without having to really do any any kind of effort well i don't know if spotify is gonna sell this to podcasters make them pay some fee to to do the translation of because <laughs> uh, well it, it depends right because at the end of the day spotify is the one winning but we are also in a in a weird technological environment i don't know if you heard about this but all of these things are dependent on uh, gpus and we have some kind of uh, scarcity of GPUs today. Basically, what, what, a lot what, of companies what, what are- What do you mean by GPUs? Yeah, GPUs is a graphical processing unit, right? Um, uh, companies like NVIDIA, Microsoft, AMD, are the one, even Intel, they produce all these GPUs. GPUs are basically, they are just like uh, computer processors, but they allow you to process uh, image videos and, and stuff like that. And, and that's why you are able to see me on your screen and stuff like that, right? So in the video game world, and NVIDIA was number one in this. But the CEO of NVIDIA, because they had uh, issues with their, their business at some point, was feeling like um, it was like they were going to be stuck in the video games world. And he basically managed to repurpose the use of uh, graphical processing units, uh, GPUs. And he basically found a niche in the AI world where because of their parallelism, basically graphical processing units can process a lot of tasks at the same time. And this is something that is highly needed when you are using uh, AI. So because he had these products and and that was the, the problem with AI, he was able to advertise his company to carve a big niche for himself and uh, basically all the chat gpt everything you are seeing today with ai 
all the um me journey for uh, generating images and all that stuff they are all running on nvidia gpus and um, some other sort of gpus and that's why you've seen nvidia stock kind of quadruple over the last i don't know the last eight months yeah the stock have basically quadrupled so so that's what is happening so there is a scarcity even i heard the uk was going to spend 100 million pound to reserve some gpus from nvidia and this is what is going on because yeah yeah a, a lot of countries know that this ai revolution is going to change a lot of stuff so nobody wants to be left behind but if you are going to to do ai you need some processing power and and nvidia is the only one supplying that right now so it is costly it's costly it's co costly uh, even i am working on ai uh, at my company and uh, we 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 know the challenges that comes with that you know uh, but i'm not gonna get too much into that so yeah uh it's gonna cost spotify some money but it's gonna generate them some money as well and uh maybe they can charge for it for people who want to grow the audience in uh, at different countries or you know they can make it free and uh you know uh, the whole uh, spotify thing is that they are selling ads when they are, you are people are watching podcasts on their platform so um yeah uh, i don't know but it's, it's very interesting i think it's gonna change a lot of things even for people who are doing videos on on youtube right they are going to be able to to reach more audience in different countries using this technology and there are other smaller startups working on this as well it's not just spotify so yeah, this is something to look out for. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, uh, as you said, it's very interesting, very interesting. And for, um, you know, uh, people that want to have, you know, like side, um, you know, side kind of side hustles on YouTube and stuff like that, this is massive, right? This just kind of quadruples or, I don't know, triples your addressable market in terms of the people that you can reach, just increases your reach. Uh, um, amazingly so I, th I think it's gonna be it's, it's gonna be a very very big thing and just imagine in your head uh, you know being able to uh, kind of uh, produce a video in one language and then everybody else can watch it in the world that, that's amazing and that goes also back to the whole globalization thing that you know uh, the, the politicians kind of launched I'll say maybe 20 30 years ago uh, so yeah that, that's that, that, that that's a really big one um yeah i mean re regarding the, sec the the second topic though for me i think i was more interested about the second one uh, to be honest uh let me just uh give a little bit of um information to the public here last week um there was another uh announcement from facebook uh ie meta today they are CEO Mark Zuckerberg was on a podcast with uh, a big po podcaster, uh, Lex uh, Friedman, and they basically recorded this uh, podcast in the metaverse. Basically, they were wearing their headsets, their Meta, um, the Quest heads headset, and uh, they, they did this podcast. And inside the, the, the metaverse, <laughs> there was a rendering, a 3D rendering of these two people. So they are head. Uh, were rendered and in a 3D fashion, and it, it's very like uh, the imaging is is pretty good compared to <laughs> the first version. So we will put some some image on on the screen for for the audience. But well, you were like right here. I don't know if people can see this, but this is incredible. The realism here is just incredible. Where am I? Where are you, Mark? This was uh, it was pretty good, but. I am not just buying this whole meta thing, right? Uh, Apple is also bringing a product on the market for this. And, um, you know, Facebook bought this company Quest a long time ago. And they are, they are trying to, they are trying to make it a mainstream, mainstream thing, a mainstream product. But I don't know, man. I'm a UI engineer, right? I build interfaces for all sorts of devices. And I've always had issues with uh, a device kind of black blocking your sense somehow or making you uncomfortable and putting something in your face. Even if it has a camera, you can still see. Man, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's the best uh, user interface uh, to me. And, and that has always been my problem. It's not the technology itself, but having something on your face at all time is, is just something that's 
is very difficult uh, for people to get on board with. And, and that's why I think uh, Facebook, are, even though they have been spending like billions of dollars trying to make this thing a reality, is not catching on. But yeah, tell, tell me what you think. <laughs> I, I, think <laughs> I think you made a really good point there, really. I think, I, I think you did. Me, to, to be honest with this kind of VR thing, um, I learned about it, I think, three... I go like more into it in 2019, so that's four years ago. And I work at that time, I work on a due diligence where a private equity was trying to acquire um, a company in the UK. And that company sells VR headset and really they manufacture them. I don't want to give too much detail here, but they manufacture them in, in Asia. I'm not going to give any name. Uh, they manufacture them in Asia and then uh, they bring them in the UK and in the US as well. And they, they really try to sell them to a primary and secondary school. And this VR has short courses and stuff that, you know, you can kind of upload onto them. And it gives you a very kind of immersive experience. Let's say in biology, for example, a student can see like the bones and touch stuff, not touch it, but get kind of close to it and those type of things. And um, after the work was done, one of the key things that was like very, very important for the private equity guys. And I, re I still remember this question that they asked us. It was about the penetration. So the future penetration or the market penetration of the product, right? So at the time, they, we kind of estimated the market, whatever, and how the product will grow. And at, the mo at that time, the penetration of the product was very, very low. It was like around the 1% or something. And the, the guys were very, very concerned about that. Um, and basically, they were thinking, will this product pick up in the future? So if we buy this company and we invest our money in it, you know, will this company, uh, will, the, will the product pick up later and will we be able to kind of flip it and make our money? And this is the question I guess we are asking ourselves now in terms of like, you know, VR, is it going to pick up one day or not? But my answer to that is, uh, <laughs> I would say no. <laughs> and it, go, it goes back to what you were saying. I think I'm more into AR than VR. Right. Yeah. So VR... VR is very uncomfortable in the in the sense yeah. that at the beginning uh, I remember that there's like the PlayStation VR as well as well and the first reviews that came about those were you know people were becoming a little bit dizzy after they used them um, yeah, there, there was I believe the uh, Oculus the one that I believe Facebook yeah. acquired as well right right Oculus um, yeah yeah and um, yeah, so it makes you very uncomfortable. Though that has decreased now, it's not the same. Uh, some people can feel v very, very dizzy and all those stuff. So I think that's going to be the main reason. And I don't see people, you know, wearing he headsets and then walking around the street. That's not possible. And even even like currently, the amount of processing that this this thing needs. When I saw the Apple demo of their their headset, I think it's like on battery. It only works for like one or two hours. And that's Apple. Apple, the latest M2 Mac, that's what I'm using. Battery lasts a day of full work. I can work on battery for a full day, eight hours without any problem. So most of these headsets, you have to plug them in. You can't really move. You start to sweat around your eyes and stuff like that. I don't know, man. It's pretty uncomfortable to me, but <laughs> we'll see. I don't know if Apple is going to pull this one off, but so far... All the adventure into the AI space, like uh, the Apple, um, they had like a, the Apple speaker as well with Siri, and uh, they were trying to copy Amazon Alexa, and uh, now they are trying to copy the, the headsets, the VR headsets from Facebook. I don't know. I, I I would like to see it when it comes out, but I don't know. I think people are over it. Yeah, I mean, my short answer will be is the AR. AR is the future, the artificial intelligence, where you'll have maybe a glass, a part of a glass on your, on your face or something like that. Yeah, talking ab about that, even this week, Facebook came out with uh, another version of that. Um, it's not completely AR, but these are like uh, Ray-Ban glasses with cameras. Um, so Facebook is partnering with uh, Ray-Ban to to develop these uh, these glasses, which will basically scan everything in the world. Facebook has some very good AI uh, technologies, which allowed, allow to identify almost anything in the world. 
it's very good compared to other things and um basically you can ask questions and stuff like it's, it's just like google glass i don't know if you remember yeah, google yeah, glass remember that, yeah. which didn't work yeah, so <laughs> i don't know hmm. facebook is giving it another try let's yeah. see how that goes let's see how that goes, <laughs> see how that goes. but yeah i mean it, um it's been very you know very very interesting to to, to kind of talk about you know, all these things uh i, I think we uh, we'll, we'll wrap it for 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 today uh but it's been you know been great to to kind of uh, share this this insight with people i mean if you have any any kind of uh, you know, comment or thoughts uh, about the subject that we, we talk about, please drop them in the comment and, you know, thank you very much. Uh, more guesses are coming, more, more, more guesses are coming and uh, more very interesting conversation and tips are coming as well. So yeah, that, that's it. Thank you everyone. Me and my buddy, we make it all of this money. Yeah, I know it's rude to be bragging. They never catching a slack. Me and my buddy, we working hard for this money.